He's not going to be dismissed. Are everybody good? Thank you, Jesus. Well, one thing I wanted to share with you this morning uh, about the worship is, um, we were, I'm seeing this really good, uh, is really one of our greatest call, callings as a, church, as a church is to worship the Lord. Amen? And uh, I believe the Lord, uh, remi- He reminded me uh, of that movie, It's a Wonderful Life, with Jimmy Stewart. And how Jimmy got discouraged in his life. If you've never seen the movie, I mean, who hadn't seen that movie, right? <laughs> but he got discouraged, and somehow or another he came into this dream or something where he saw what would happen if he wasn't being Jimmy, if he wasn't there, and how things would have went. And, um, so I think what God wants us to see, the, the local church, how important the local church is, and how important what we do in a community uh, it's, it's really making a difference in the spiritual atmosphere over our community. When the local, all the churches, I'm not talking about just us, but all of us, as we come together to really worship the Lord, we're really building an altar of, of worship and an altar of praise in the earth for God to be worshipped. And it really pleases the Lord when we join together to worship. And uh, so I saw that this morning. I saw the fire of heaven. I saw there's an altar being built of worship. And I also saw... Uh, good news for us is, you know, in the Revelation it says the uh, candlestick holders are the churches. And I saw us, our little candle sitting there burning. So we are still, we're still official with the Lord. And that's the only one it matters with. Because you can have a name that you're a church, but you're not a church unless He says you are. Amen? So we want to thank the Lord for that. Also, uh, one of the personal benefits of worship is the ability to see into the invisible world. As David said, I always saw the Lord before my face. He's at my right hand. I shall not be moved. And, of course, the greatest attribute about King David was he was a worshiper. And because he was a worshiper, the eyes of his heart were were opened. So I just want to encourage you. Many times we don't feel it when we worship, right? You know, and lots of times worship is, we can be a little bit self-centered about it, self-focused, and, and so when you don't feel it, it's sort of hard to, it's, you're, on, you're stuck on yourself. And, but just know that you're making a difference when you join with other believers in worship. It is really important. And I believe, I believe honestly, it is our greatest calling as a church is to worship. Because that is the greatest expression of, of loving God the Father. Amen. And Jesus Christ and the Holy Ghost. I love that song. They picked up all three of those in that hymn we were singing. Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. You've got to have all three, right? Well, I'm a big believer in all three. Amen? Well, um, praise the Lord. I'm not going to try to be political with you this morning. I'm talking about talk about politics like I know about politics. But I wanted to share a couple things with you uh, and just give you this message that the Lord has really given. It's been speaking to me. But uh, one thing uh, about our nation, you know, our nation is is not really headed in a good direction. I think most of us would agree with that. But uh, One of the things that, that I personally believe, and I can't prove this, I believe that, and I might get in trouble by saying this one of these days, but I'm going to go ahead and say it anyway. I believe our government is creating crises. Okay? I believe they're literally creating crises by some of the things they're doing. Uh, and, and, because they're cre- and they're doing that because crises always gives opportunities. And I'm going to really show that to you in a little bit. Every, in every crisis, there's an opportunity. I don't care what crisis you're in in your life right now. There's an opportunity. I can show that that's really in, from the Scripture. So I believe that's where we are as a nation, is, is, 
is this crises being created that don't have to happen, but they are happening. So they are indeed true crises, but, but they've been created for us. Um, one of the things I read yesterday that was really uh, stu- stuck out to me uh, is when the president was in, in Cairo, Egypt recently, he, in his speech, he and uh, Secretary of State Hillary Clinton used a, a term when they were talking about uh, freedom of religion, okay, that's, been a, that's a government term that's been used by our government for years as a, being a core value of our nation is freedom of religion. But they uh, changed that term, and they changed one word, and instead of freedom of religion, they used the word freedom of worship. Okay, freedom of worship. Now, for us, we like the term worship better than we do religion. Yeah? But, however, from a government's perspective, that is not a good thing, okay? Because from the government's perspective, when they talk about freedom of worship, you can go into your church. Now, this is where it could lead. And this is the concern of a lot of people who know stuff. I don't know anything. I'm just telling you. Uh, We could go in our church houses and worship God. But part of of the government's definition of freedom of religion is evangelism. Do, Do you see that? where we can go in here and worship God all day long in the confines of our little building, but don't go out there and try to evangelize. You, you see what I'm saying? And so you see, we're, we're in a time in, in our nation, and we're in a time in the world where there's, there's things are, are happening, okay? And they're not always good things. Uh, some of the words like reposition, realignment, that's one of the things I see our nation doing right now, is our nation... As we are realigning ourselves with nations, with other nations that in the past we wouldn't be necessarily aligned with. Like, like one of the things that's happening now is, is we seem to be divorcing ourselves from Israel and aligning ourselves with, like for one recently, is the president made a commitment to the, made a deal with the, the king of Saudi Arabia that the president would make sure certain things would happen in Israel if the Saudi Arabia makes certain things happen in Afghanistan. You see what I'm saying? So there's an alignment, there's a shift going on, you know, just from a governmental perspective in, in the world today, these realignments, a reposition, shifting. And so we see it from a government perspective, but there's also uh, just spiritually, that's, that's something that's really happening right now in the earth. There's just a realignment that is happening all around spiritually and everything. So it's really wise for us to really begin to see, to have our spiritual eyes open, to really see what's really going on, not just from government. I'm just giving that as an example, but it is something we need to, to, to concern ourselves with. But to all the way around, uh, one of the things that the Lord spoke to me recently about is being careful about a spirit of possessiveness. Okay? A spirit of possessiveness. Because when God begins to realign things, you and I can begin to lose things. Okay? And the last thing we need to do is grab hold of things right now and grip things. Are you following what I'm saying? Because God may be, may be shifting resources, may be shifting people, uh, and, 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 and whatever your assets are, he may be desiring to shift it into something else now. And the last thing that we need to do is to hold on to those things when God is saying, no, I want to shift those things. Are you following me? Now, it's really important now that we respond when these things happen in faith, okay? We respond in faith and not in fear, okay? And not in rejection, 
Because lots of times when those kind of things happen, we, we get fearful and we, feel, we get this sense of rejection on us. When things begin to leave us that we don't necessarily want to leave us. Y'all following what I'm saying to you? So that's really one of the things that the Lord wants to... He wants to fear, free us from fear and rejection. And really begin to have a, a greater perspective, a greater, uh, a greater mindset of, of, towards the kingdom of heaven. Now... If you've been in this church very long, you know that one of the things that we've really put a lot of emphasis on in this church is the Matthew 4:17. Is Jesus said, "Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand." And repent means change your mind. Okay, and Jesus was saying, if you'll change your mind, you can access the kingdom. And that's what He said. So we've spent a lot of time, and this has been a great download from heaven in the last few years to really begin to see the kingdom of heaven in reality, to begin to see the kingdom working. And so we've, we've understood that for us to be able to see that kingdom and really to access the kingdom, that we had to change our mind. Something has to happen to our mind. So we've really put a focus on the mind because the mind is the doorway into the spiritual world. Right? I hope you're getting that revelation. Because whatever your mind allows in is going to be allowed into your life. And whatever it disallows will be disallowed. And Jesus said the only way you're going to be able to access the kingdom and see the kingdom is through a change of your mind. And when you change your mind, you can begin to access the kingdom. It's really real simple when it really comes right down to it. Okay, just based on that one, whole, one little verse in the Bible. Of course, there's many, many, many verses in the Bible that have to do with a change of mind. Okay, but right now we're in a time of having your mind changed. But if you notice, Jesus had a... Uh, in the Lord's Prayer, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And then he begins to go down a list of things. And it's interesting that that prayer had nothing to do with healings, miracles, and deliverances. Okay? The things that we associate with the kingdom. Because Jesus said, you know, if I, you know, if I cast out demons by the finger of God, the kingdom of heaven has come upon you. That's what he said. So, and we, we associate those things with being a manifestation of the kingdom. That's why we put a lot of value on healings and deliverances and miracles because it's a sign of the kingdom coming, right? And so that's what we're going to go after and keep pursuing that. But really, those are just signs of the kingdom coming. They're fruits. They're, at, they're outworkings of the kingdom's coming. But the, the Lord's Prayer had something to do with our personal lives. It had something to do with our daily bread thing, right? It had something to do with the deliverance from the devil, okay, and not being led into temptation has something to do with our heart condition about forgiving other people and releasing other, other people. So of all the things that God's been trying to do with us and trying to reveal to us about, about the miraculous realm, about the heavenly realm and all that stuff, it's not just for churches. It's not just for, for a church service. It's not just for a mission trip. Okay? It is for our everyday life based on the Lord's Prayer. It's a, there's a practical application to these things. Amen? And I wanted to tell you this, because this is important, by the way. This is a, a sidetrack. If you look at the book of Romans, which is the most theological book in the New Testament, it's, you know, that's the, if you want to know theology, read Romans. It makes one reference in the whole, a whole book, and it's at the very end to the, de to the devil. Okay? So... The devil's pretty low on Paul's list of theology. And it was in Romans 16:20 where he said, The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your foot. That was the only reference in that whole theological book. And if the, the illustration for the Greek word crush Satan under your foot is, have you ever stepped on a grape barefooted? 
You know how easy it is to squash a grape under your foot? That's what Paul was trying to communicate in that. that was, that's the, the picture of the Greek. It's like stepping on a grape. In other words, what Paul was saying is, is, is we have made the devil so big in our minds, in our thinkings, that he's become that to us. Where, where Paul was saying theologically and, and in reality, the devil's like a grape under some bare, your bare foot. You can just squash him. That's pretty good, isn't it? And so God really wants to teach us about that, what the cross has done for, for us. Now, that's not, dem, that's not uh, saying that Satan can't be a threat and all that, but more, the biggest threat comes within the confines of our mind. And once he gets there and, and gets in our minds, he can create a web of lies and destroy people. And, that's, and he's really good at that, but are we good so far? Oh, man, I'm tired. Okay. I'm trying to go fast with this, Okay. So what I want to talk to you just a little bit about is about applying in a practical way, okay, this heavenly realm, the spiritual realm, how to access the spiritual realm for your life, for your situation, okay, not for somebody's healing, not for somebody's deliverance, not for a mission trip or not for some cause, but for you when you wake up in the morning and the way you live your life. See, this is really what we've got to get. Because it's, it's for us now. It's for us in our, in our everyday life. God created us to live from the heavenly realm. Okay, that's the truth of the Scripture. And if you and I are living from here, we are going to live in defeat. There's no way around that. Okay, and that's... That, the, I think I might have said this a couple of times before in this church, right? <laughs> I really... I'm sold on this, okay? Because this one thing, this one revelation will change your entire life. It may not get you out of any situation you're in. It may not. But it will change you in those situations. And when you're changing the situation, you can walk right out of them. I'm talking about the ones. So, uh, anyways, what happened to me was, I'll just give this little personal testimony. I'm a, I'm a, I was at a pastor's meeting this, this week, and there were ten pastors in the meeting. And four of them were what we call ex-pastors. In other words, four of them, for different reasons... No longer pastors. And one person said, if we keep going, this is going to become the ex-pastors meeting. <laughs> it's a sad thing. Because right now there's a lot of shifting and there's a lot of repositioning and things going on. With I have a lot of friends, honestly, who their situation in ministry has suddenly changed. Now, there's a, there's a positive shifting, okay? It's not all negative. Like, for instance, Tim and Paula, they were in South America as missionaries. They're here, South Africa. So what did I say? South America? It's all the same. South. <laughs> yeah, down south somewhere. But they're here now. So, the, But Don and Linda and Jim and Kathy, God is shifting them to South America. He's repositioning them. But this is happening everywhere. Okay? But some of it's not positive. Okay? Some of it is not coming down good. Like this one guy, he announced that he had given his notice at his church last Sunday. And I was pretty mad about it because I love this guy. And so I was struggling with the fact that he uh, was having to leave his church. And, uh, you know, he gave the church good reasons, but they weren't the real reason, just to be straight with you. This is not this church, so they weren't the real reason. He was being forced to do this. And, and so I was really struggling with it, and the Lord spoke to me about a spirit of possessiveness. Did I say anything about that earlier? I already said that about being a spirit of possession. He, and he reminded me of the parable, the, what the Bible calls the parable of the rich fool. Okay? That's what, the, that's what it calls it. It's in Luke, Luke 11 or 12, where this man owned all this property, and he had these barns full of stuff. And he said, I ain't got no more room for anything else. 
because his ground was very blessed and very prosperous, the Bible says. So he tore his barns down. Okay? He tore his barns down to add more to it. And the Lord said, you've got to be careful because your attitude towards that man, what if I want... Did I already say this? Okay, I'm sorry. I'm, I did in the first service. Thank you, Dean. It, the, what the Lord is saying is your feelings towards him are self-focused. What if I won't, What if I am shifting this person? What if I'm moving this? Why are you? Why would you want to hang on to something that I, that's not meant to be hung on to? You're trying to hang on to him because of what it does to you. You hear what I'm saying to you? So right now, what we we can't have a circle the wagons mentality. We've got to have this releasing mentality. We've got to have an open hands mentality in our hearts because that's what how the kingdom works. And the, and it goes on at the end of that parable. The Lord said. This guy winds up, he's, the Lord said, you fool. We called him a fool. You fool. Your very soul is going to be required of you this very night. And then he says, this is what will happen to people who are not rich towards God. And see, we always apply that to just money. And that's a good application. We could get money out of people. But I'm telling you, it applies to everything. It applies to people. It applies to relationships. It applies to ministries. It, reply, it applies to callings. It applies to your business. It applies in your family life. We have to have this perspective from the kingdom. The kingdom says you give. Our perspective is you get and you hold on. You see what I'm saying? There's a shift that has to happen in our thinking where we have this heart where nothing, we hold nothing tightly. We, we hold it all with open hands. You got that? That's no new revelation. That's just... A real revelation, though. But let me read this, Ephesians five fifteen through 16. Are you all okay? I feel like I'm running as hard as I can. Okay. It's me. It's not them. They ain't running nowhere yet. <laughs> all right, Ephesians five fifteen through 16 is, to me, a practical application of the Lord's Prayer for our life. Okay? It is Paul expounding upon this. And I want to tell you, let me just read it. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the times because the days are evil. The days are evil. Now listen, that word evil there is what is, is called pernicious evil. That is not just we live in an evil time. That is aggressive evil, okay? Aggressive evil that is coming after you. That's not just in her, you know... Terrorism is a, is a pernicious evil. So we're living in a time where evil is being aggressive. Evil is, is on the offense. It's not just out there. You do your thing, I'll do my thing. No, it's out there. It's saying, I'm coming after you. I'm coming after what you have. I'm coming to get you. Now, that's, that's the context here. And that, that's, what, like I say, one of the things, Lord, deliver us from evil. Okay, deliver us not, lead us not into temptation. So that's, that's the word there. Now, this is interesting, okay? This is something I learned from the Chinese, okay? Let me explain what the Chinese... Now, they don't think like we do. This is what they told me. This is what, they literally told me this. And they said, English is easy to write but hard to speak. That's one of the things... That, then they said, Chinese is hard to write but easy to speak. Now, that's what a Chinese person thinks, which I don't think that. Because I was listening to him talk. I learned one word while I was over there. Ni hao. Hello. This is funny. This is sort of sad. You'd be walking down the street in China, and you hear somebody say, Hello. Remember that? 
Finally, a girl told me, she said, they want to talk to you. That's what it is. They want to engage you and talk to you in English. But uh, the word for crisis in China, they have these symbols is how they write it. Means two, there's two things. It means dangerous and opportunity. Now, that's a revelation. Because, see, and, and see, that's what our government, they've got that revelation. And the body of Christ needs to get that revelation. Every crisis, every situation we're in, there's two doors that are made available to us. One of them's a door of danger. One of them's a door of despair. One of them's a, a door that goes down into darkness. And one of them is a door of opportunity. And so what Paul was trying to talk to us about, that, we, that in this time where aggressive evil is coming, which creates somewhat of a crisis in our life, that we have an opportunity, we have a choice in that time, and we can either discover the opportunity that, that's there for us, or we can just be like everybody else and live the defeated, despairing Christian life and just be under everything, right? So that's really what he was trying to say here. He was trying to tell us a secret here, but we've got we to gotta get it. We've got to hear this from a spiritual perspective because I used to read this verse for years, and it was always a negative thing. It seemed negative to me, like the days are evil. Oh, gosh, we've, we've got to get it together. We've got to do all these things. And the Lord's saying, that is not the way you've got to see this. You can't look, look at life like this. And if you look at it from heaven's perspective, it's not, not negative. So, you've heard, here's what opportunity means, a, a good dic- dictionary definition of opportunity. A set of circumstances that makes it possible to do something. A set of circumstances that makes it possible to do something. So in every crisis, there is some circumstances that come to us that may seem negative on the surface and negative to the natural eyes, but they make it possible for us to do something if we can live from heaven and we can live from the spiritual realm and see what's really going on. Okay? Uh, opportunity knocks. Uh, this is the do- definition for opportunity knocks. A chance for success or advancement occurs when opportunity knocks. So when, when opportunity knocks on our door, and usually the knock of the door, the knock on our door from, from, from uh, opportunity is in the middle of a crisis, in the middle of your worst nightmare, one of them, your worst day, there's an opportunity for you if you can see it. Amen? So I remember a few years ago we were in Zimbabwe, and there was a man there who was a banker, and at the time he was... Uh, he had the most, the only bank in Zimbabwe. He was the third largest bank in Zimbabwe, but it was the only bank in Zimbabwe that was making money at the time. Okay? And he was, a, he was the, the head of the bank, and this is, the, this is what he said. Where others see disaster, I see opportunity. Okay? Where others see disaster, I, in other words, this guy had spiritual eyes to see something that nobody else was seeing, and when everybody else was losing their shirt, he was making money. And that's really what God wants to do for us, and this is what... This, this is what Paul was trying to get through to us here in this verse, in these two verses, is to be able to live in the times that we're living in, in, in as a nation, but and in our own personal situations, our own personal crisis, our own personal messed up times, is to, to see the opportunity that God's bringing to us. And so I want to give you just a few things that, out, of these two script, out of these two verses that Paul says to sort of help us, okay? You got time for that? All right, first one, he starts out, see, I started at the end, I'm going to go back to the beginning. I started out with the word evil. Now, I'm, just to prove to you that he was trying to really tell us something here. This, this is power-packed here, man, if we can get it. Um, now, the first word that he uses is the word see. So that's the first thing we've got to do, is we've got to see something. And here's the definitions. He didn't do that. That's all right. 
to discern mentally. So there's a mental part of this. There's an application of your mind to observe, perceive, consider, contemplate, to look in the sense of taking care, to take heed to. Those are some of the definitions of see. It's not just a, it's not just a casual glance. It is looking at something with the intent of understanding what's really happening. Okay, and it's, and it's looking at something with, with getting, getting the mind of the Lord on it to let you see it. It's like the best example I can get is you take your kids, your little kids, to somebody's house that has a swimming pool. You, a good parent is watching those kids intently because they don't want them to wander out of the house and fall in the pool and drown, right? You know what I'm talking about. Parents know that. So it's, it's like watching your kids and paying attention to what's going on around them and what's happening with them so you'll know what's really happening. And that's why, I'm, you know, that's really the first thing that God's asking us to do to really be able to see the opportunity. We need to see the situation that we're really in today and pay attention and really get the Lord's perspective on it. And I will tell you this. The way to really find out about what the, what's happening with the government is not necessarily the news media. I'll tell you that right now. I mean, you can use the news media to get information, but you really need the Holy Spirit to reveal some things to you. But... But that is a part of it, is really trying to see what's really happening and, and understanding the times that we're in. So that's the first thing you, you do. The second thing, he says, uh, see then that you walk. So, and walk here means to order one's behavior to conduct oneself. So walking has to do with your behavior and how you act. So in times of crises, in times of difficulties, in times of trial, your behavior can't be the same as it was in times of prosperity and blessing, you had to shift your behavior. Now, really, so we're in a time where God is calling us. You, you know, you, five years ago, whenever the last time things were going great, guns, everything was wonderful in your life, and it was a blessed time. You had one set of behavior, but now you're in a different time. You need to behave different. In other words, I'm going to behave one way when I'm at the beach with my family, okay, and I'm going to behave another way when I'm here working. I'm not going to act like I'm at the beach here. I'm not going to be sitting around being sloppy and, you know, not bathing for days and, you know, all that stuff people do. I mean, you know, because you're jumping in the pool or whatever and you don't need a bath, right? No, you don't. I knew Ryan did that. I could tell he did. <laughs> so, you see, it, it requires a change in our behavior. So, so we, had, we see first and then we have to realize we've got to have a change in behavior. And God's calling the body of Christ in America for a change in behavior right now. He's calling us to see what's really happening with us and what's happening around us, and there needs to be a change in behavior. Are you good? The next thing, this is the, the word, circumspectly. Okay, that's the walks. And this, he tells you, this is how you behave. You behave yourself circumspectly. Don't you love that, that word? It sounds like something they do to people when they're first born. <laughs> to boys, you know. That's what it I mean, for years I actually thought that when I didn't really read the Bible, I just sort of brushed over it. I really thought that it says, walk circumcisedly. I think. And, I, and this is what I thought in my mind. Oh, that means don't walk in the flesh. That's what I used to And then one day I heard this guy preach on circumcision. He started talking about circumcision. I thought, I didn't know that was what that meant. You know? Anyway, I'm just telling you some of my bad theology that I had back in my young, young, young Christian days. You know? But circumspectly is really an awesome word. It means exactly, accurately, and carefully. That's how we've got to walk now. Exactly, accurately, and carefully. And also, the same Greek uh, root word is for pointed. Okay? So it's a direct, there's a direction to it. 
So the best illustration I can think of is like you've got to drive in your car on the right side of the road. Okay? You can't go too far to you can't go the line to the ditch. You can't drift over the line in the middle line. That's what plus you had to be pointed in the right direction. That's what Paul's talking about right there. You've got to stay in your lane and you've got to be going in the right direction. If you're wanting to go to Charlotte, you don't get on you can be driving on the right side of the road in your lane going to Statesville and you're not walking circumspectly. You've got to be going in the right direction. You hear what I'm saying? Now, here's a verse, uh, uh, Proverbs 14, 12. And interestingly, Proverbs 14, 12, this verse is also Proverbs 16, 25. So it is said two times in the Bible. There's a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. In other words, right now is not a time for us to do what seems right to us. That's, that's what Paul's saying. In these times, you can't get away with what seems right. Because what seems right may lead you somewhere you don't want to go. What seems right may, you may be driving to a place where a bridge was and it's not anymore and it'd be too late. Okay? So right now, what he's saying is you, we've got to walk circumspectly. We've got to be pointing in the right direction. We've got to be in our lane. And we've got to behave appropriately and not what just seems right to us. And that's what the, the, the Lord's calling the church to now. Okay? He's calling the church. This is the time for this. Okay? Don't do what just seems right in your... What was that one of the uh, rebukes in the book of Judges? Uh, I think it's six or seven times it says that. Every man... Is that right? So every man did what was right in his own eyes. And so this is not a time for that right now. Okay? Are we good so far? I'm going fast. The next thing he said... Because I'm going to be done here circumspectly soon. So then you walk, so then, see then you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. Then the next word is redeeming. Now this is where it comes, talks about uh, opportunity. Okay, that's the thing we've got to do. He, if we'll do this, what he's saying is uh, there's this redemption thing that can happen in our life. And that means to buy for oneself or one's, one's advantages. Or, or here's a better way of saying it, to make wise use of ever, every opportunity that's going to come your way. In other words, what Paul was saying during these times, if we will really walk, if we will see and walk circumspectly, there will be opportunities that are going to come our way. There's opportunities that are going to happen in your life from the Lord. And he's saying, redeem those opportunities. Take advantage of those opportunities. Okay? Because... God has given you, that's, that's your doorway into what, from the thing that was bad, there's an opportunity on that road for you. Now, here's one of the things that I've noticed with people these days, because a lot of, because there's so much shifting going on and so much reassignment and all this stuff going on with people, is people are real touchy when they want to talk to you about their future. Have y'all noticed that? Has any, or maybe y'all don't talk, people want to, you know. Well, for me, people want to talk to me about what they feel like God may want for them. But they don't want to hear any feedback. They just want to tell you, and if you start trying to talk to them, I'm just being straight with you. And at first I thought it was just maybe, well, that person just sort of having a you know, prickly about this. You know. But then when you, you get this consistent pattern with people where people really don't want to hear anything, not that I've got the answer for them because I don't, uh, but 
my whole my thing is we need a, a if we're going in the right direction, those opportunities are going to come for us. You hear what I'm saying to you? The opportunities are going to be there if if we're walking circumspectly. We're going to walk into those opportunities, or those opportunities will walk into us. Okay, we don't have to make something happen. We don't have to try to get something to, to go our way. God's going to provide the opportunities if. We're seeing them. All right. Anyways, I'm going to move on from that because I want to talk to you about the next thing, redeeming the time. And time there is not chronos time. It's kairos time. It's different. I think there's like three different times in the, in the Bible, three different words for time. You know, chronos time is uh, duration. Okay? Duration like, you know, Dean is sitting there right now. This is what Dean Stein's thinking. How much longer is he going to talk? That's duration. Okay? Uh, Kronos has to do with the quality of the time, uh, the feature of time. In other words, here's, here's, a, uh, here's a good example uh, for Kronos uh, was, uh, how long were you at the beach? That's Kronos. Uh, a Keros thing, did you have a restful time at the beach? That's Keros. It marks it. One of the uh, definitions is epoch-making for Keros. I think uh, Amplified Bible actually uses that when it talks about certain things. Epoch-making uh, epoch time. And this is epoch-making uh, means of major importance. That's what Keros is. Major is a, is, a, is a special moment in time that comes which is major importance in your life. And it's a time uh, that will have a significant impact on your future. Redeeming the time. Take an opportunity. When those opportunities come, they're key opportunities, they're key moments in your life that God brings in the middle of your crisis, in the middle of your difficulty, suddenly a door of opportunity opens. And if we are seeing it, if we're going in the right direction, that will have a significant impact on your life, your future. And so I believe the, America, the United States' future is being determined right now. Okay? It's being determined. Our future, personally, in, when the, in the personal stuff we're going through, our future is being determined based on decisions that we make in, this, in these moments. And, and, and it's going to really impact our lives down the road. We're in, a, we're in a chaos time right now. We really are. And we don't even know it. Your personal trial, your personal difficulty, all the things that have gone wrong or didn't go right in your life, it's a chaos time. It can be a chaos time for you. Your whole future can, can swing on it. And I think we could probably get people to give testimony who's been around a while, who were in the middle of distress, in the middle of failure, middle of whatever, and a decision was made, and it majorly affected their life for the good because they saw a door of opportunity. And that's really what God wants to release for people. Are you excited about that? Well, one of the most famous scriptures in the whole Bible about Kairos time is actually in the Old Testament. Who knows whether you have attained royalty for such a time as this? Amen? That, that's a Hebrew Kairos time, uh, time. All right, I wanted to give you this Ecclesiastes 3.1. Redeeming the time because the days are evil. Uh, I was thinking about this scripture. I think I was going to not read this scripture because, you know, we've read it so many times in the church, but... So I jotted it down last night, and then I was decided this morning I'm not going to read it. And then I, somebody sent me an email this morning, and guess what scripture they had at the top of their email? Ecclesiastes 3.1. I thought, I think I better read that scripture. Well, this is what it says. To everything there is a season, a time for, for every purpose under heaven. So there's a time. And then it gives you 14 pairs. 
of things, like they're opposite, like a time to plant and a time to uproot, a time to tear down, a time to build, a time to get, a time to lose. Okay, so what we have to do is ask the Holy Spirit to give us a discernment of the time that we're in. Okay, because there's a purpose in whatever you're going through in your life. Okay, there's a purpose of what our nation is going through right now. And I believe, I believe this about our nation. I'm getting back to our nation because I'm really seeing, I'm seeing about our nation right now. I'm in the first part of that Ephesians verse. I'm starting to see about the United States. I'm seeing, okay, what, that some stuff's going on in our country that's not good. But I'm also seeing that God has a plan for us in it. That God wants to awaken the church. That, in other words, a couple years ago, nobody wants this kind of stuff. Who cares? I mean, we're blessed. We're having a great, jolly old time. Things are good. Everybody's making money. We're happy. But now, God is getting the attention of the body of Christ in this nation. Okay? He's getting our attention and letting us know there's something going on. But He's saying, this can be an opportunity for you. And for me, for us to really come into our destiny, to really fulfill and become what He's called us to be, I believe there'll be a great awakening in the body of Christ in the United States. Okay, I believe as we march down a road as a nation that's opposite of where God wants us to go, that God is going to literally take that thing and use it for a great awakening in the United States. I believe in my own life some of the greatest awakenings that I've had personally have been when I was in the middle of, of difficult, distressful situations and circumstances in my life and I found that door in it and I went through that door and my life shifted at that moment and I believe that's what God's offering us this morning okay now did you want to share that about loving what is y'all do y'all love the term loving what is you do I don't always <laughs> um just recently the Lord's really has dealt with me probably in the last year a whole lot about um hey denise um um about embracing things in my life that are not going my way i'm not things are not as i desire them to be um how many of you know that a lot of oppression and depression can come from when things are not the way you want them you ever notice that and it's like you have an argument with god almost that things have not gone that way, there's somebody not doing you right, this didn't turn out the way you thought, this is, uh, I mean, it just goes on and on. And I felt like the Lord had shown me that a lot of anger comes from us having an argument that way with the Lord. Really, it's ultimate with the Lord. We don't think we're arguing with the Lord, but ultimately we are. And so I felt like, you know, one thing that the Lord's been speaking to me lately is, there's something about when we can release things and just let it go and let it be what it is. Um, and recently we've stumbled across this thing about loving what is. Is as you're able to embrace what is in front of you and just loving what is, somehow you become at peace and you're able, that puts your mind in a place of really being able to hear the Lord, access in the spiritual realm where we're meant to live from. But when it's always an argument in our heart and we're always uh, trying to control things and make things what we want them to be, therein lies our problem. And I think a lot of our problems in life come from that. And, you know, Byron and I have come right back to something that the Lord showed us early on. It was Arthur Burt's thing that we lived off of. And his 
thing was is surrendering and saying, Amen, Lord. So be it. And, um, and so I just want to say that to us today, that we all have lots of things that we don't have what we want. You know, but I just believe if we can just lay it down and just surrender to the Lord, then all of a sudden our mind begins to align with heaven. Do you understand? And just say, Amen, Lord, so be it. I'm not going to fight this thing anymore. See, so that's really what I wanted to, I feel like that, you know, is uh, as far as work, walking circumspectly, a lot of times that's what will really help us walk circumspectly is laying down our own this right here and saying, Amen, Lord, you know, and surrendering it and saying, you know what, I'm just going to love what is. I'm just going to love it. It's, it's, it's like an embracing thing, embracing what it has, is happening in our life instead of fighting it. There's a lot of peace in that, a lot of peace. Do, do you all understand what I'm saying? Does it witness to you? See, I think this will help us walk circumspectly in our lives and uh, it, it, instead of fighting it. I, I do believe a lot of anger issues, and we get, I, I don't think I'm an angry person, really, because I don't yell and carry on until Byron really pushes me hard. <laughs> then I get mean. But I realized that is the root of a lot of our problems is really not releasing but hanging on, you know. And um, I, I feel like the Lord can really help us as we just learn to embrace, love what is, go with what, what it is. You know, that is, that's not a lack of faith. That's just trust in the Lord. He's going to bring it about in His time. You know, the, the real peace we have is just in letting it go, saying, Amen, God. We surrender. Say, Amen. And it really is the God of peace that crushes Satan. When we're not at peace, we, He's bigger than a grape. We can't step on them. You hear what I'm saying to you? And, and that peace comes when you, you're in a situation, you're in a circumstance... And instead of fighting against it, pushing against it, and wanting to change it, wanting to control it, wanting to manipulate it, instead of saying, you know what, Lord? I surrender. This is the way it is. I love what it is because I love you. Now, it doesn't mean you have to love the situation, but you're loving that this is my life. This is what I've got right this moment. I can't change it. Right? I can't change it. I can't control it. I can't cure it. So I'm just going to let go. And I'm going to get rid of all that negative stuff that's going on in my mind over this thing. And just, and just live my life at that moment. And what's happening? When I was in Argentina, I found myself in that situation over and over. Like I'm in a bus going somewhere in the middle of the night when I want to go to sleep. Instead of getting all whacked out about it, you just say, you saw me in action. <laughs> but that's a simple example. But in our lives, in our situation in our lives, in our crisis in our lives, okay, what God wants to do is wash us from these negative emotions, these toxic emotions that we have. Because when we have these toxic emotions working in us, you cannot access the spiritual realm. It just, you're, you're stuck. You're shut down. You're stuck here. And when you're stuck here, you are defeated. And you will despair and nothing is going to change. Your circumstances won't change. And worse off, you're not going to change. But when you tap into the heavenly realm because you've got this negative stuff washed off in you, suddenly you can access the thoughts of God 
And even though your circumstances may not immediately change, you will change. And, so, and that's where the grace of God comes in. Suddenly you got grace for the situation, for the person, or whatever that you didn't have before. And that's just the way God designed us to live. And that's how we do this thing. And that's why the heavenly realm is important. Okay? I mean, because we can access heaven for relational conflicts, for financial destruction, you know, for, you know, marital problems, you know, for work problems. He's there for us. This thing is really practical. Okay? It really is. It's meant to change our lives. It's not just for church. It's not just to go on a mission trip, like I said earlier. It's really to revolution our lives. And, and, and I believe we need more of that because I believe God is going to present some mighty opportunities to the body of Christ in the future. But I think the opportunities are going to come disguised as trouble. Did you want to say something else, Dorian? Well, just one final thing. It's just, if you, this really help you. So I want to pray this over you so if you'll just stand up. There you I just feel like this phrase, let go and let God and let grace do the work, is um, it, it's, it's really something we can live by and uh, really help bring us into that repentant mind where we can really have the mind of God for our situation. So, Lord, I really just ask you right now that we can... Mm-hmm. While she's doing that, you just think about your particular situation. Okay, think about the thing. Think about the thing that you need to let go of, the thing that's really getting you right now, the thing that's really has disturbed you and tore you up. Just put that in your mind right now and, and bring this prayer into that. So, Lord, I just ask you for, um, Lord, we just present to you right now every thing that is plaguing our minds and our hearts, every circumstance, God, that would really create in us, Lord, a... Um, Lord, just a um, just adversity, Lord, in our minds to your purposes and your plans for us, Lord, and living at peace. So we just ask you right now just um, to first of all give us grace to come to this place of saying of letting go. Mm. Thank you, Lord. And Lord, we're just going to let it go. We're going to give it to you, God. We're just going to let you take care of these things. And allow now that grace, Lord, to flow in and through our lives in every circumstance, God. We can't control things. We can't cure it. We can't fix it, Lord. Mm. Lord, every relational issue that we're dealing with right now. Every relational issue in this room, God. We're just going to say, Lord, we let go. And we're going to let you do it and let grace go to work, God. Mm. Lord, everything that we're fearing, we're going to let go of that fear. Mm. We're going to let you come, Lord, and do that work through us. Let grace do the work, God. Mm. Lord, we thank you. That as we do this, Lord, there is an avenue that is opened up between us and heaven. We just thank you for that, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Father, we just want to 
renounce the spirit of possessiveness. Lord, the things that we're trying to possess, even the things that we feel like you want us to have, that we're trying to grip them with our own natural strength, or we're trying to hold on to things that that we're not supposed to hold on to anymore. I remember Harry Bazell, our pastor back at Lamb's Chapel, when all that went down, he said, the Lord put his hand out to shake the chapel, Lamb's Chapel, and I tried to, I stuck my hand out to try to steady it, which caused it to really go down. And so the Lord wants us to take our hands off of things today. So I want you to, and you know, whatever the Holy Spirit brings to your mind, we just want to release that Holy Spirit. We don't want to try to possess something. We don't want to try to steady something that you're not steadying. We just want to just release that to you, that situation, that relationship, those finances. Lord, our future callings. We just want to release those right now. Lord, we don't want to grip anything too tightly today. Lord, we want to trust you with our future. We want to trust you in our situation and circumstances, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, I just pray over over everybody in the room right now. I pray for their minds. I pray against those toxic emotions. Lord, in Jesus' name, Lord, we just ask you to wash our minds. Wash our emotions. Put your hand back there at the base of your neck. That's where your emotions are physically located at, the part of your brain right at the base of your, of your skull. It's where your emotions are. Many times you be praying for them and you feel an urge to put, put your hands there. It's because there's healing for emotions. Lord, I ask you, I know people in this room have just been wore out emotionally. Some of them have really been fighting hard. and Your emotions are wore out from it. Trying to make it or whatever, deal with situations. And I believe the Lord just wants to heal your emotions right now. Cleanse your emotions and renew you emotionally today. Lord, we ask you to do that right now. Every person in this room, there would be a Holy Spirit renewal of their emotions come right now. Holy Spirit healing of the emotions. Emotions of the mind, emotions of the heart. Father, just release your healing virtue now in Jesus' name. Lord, I pray you'd break trauma off in people. that have been traumatized and things have just beat them to pieces. And sense of trauma has come, Lord. We just want to renounce a spirit that attaches itself to us. And just captures us with fear and... Lord, just break that. I just ask you, Lord. I just, oh, Lord, break the enemy's commission over our minds today, over our hearts. Lord, just release that breastplate of love and faith into this room over the hearts of the people. That helmet of hope, Lord, just release it now in Jesus' name. Lord, I just pray that we begin to see with the eyes of our hearts, see the opportunity. I pray for those who are financially or just being destroyed or have been destroyed, I ask you, God, for the open door in Jesus' name. For the finan- Raise your hand if you really are one of those people that is the financial thing, job thing. Father, right now, in Jesus' name, we call out to you. Just release. Just release the opportunity. Give them eyes to see the opportunity, Lord. Oh, do it, Lord. Do it, Lord. Just, just release that. That's what the Lord wants to do. He wants to show you the opportunity in, in your, cry, your financial crisis. 
He wants to show you the opportunity. There's a door for you because you're a daughter or you're a son of God. You belong to the Father. And those of you who are really going through it relationally, you just feel like you've just gotten your rear end kicked relationally. Raise your hand. Well, Father, right now, you see these hands that really hurt relationally. I ask you, Lord, today to heal. Heal those emotions. And, Lord, let them see. Let them be willing to let go in this situation and see the opportunity that you have provided, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Holy Spirit, come now, everybody in this room. Woo! Yeah, thank you, Jesus. Lord, I ask you to give us those seeing eyes uh, of what's going on in the world today in a greater way, that we can begin to see and we can begin to order our conduct in a righteous way and begin to walk circumspectly and take advantage of the opportunities that you want to release. Yeah. Lord, I... Let me... Uh, Anybody ever seen that movie, Rudy, about the guy who wanted to play for Notre Dame football? And he, It's a great movie. It's a true story. The guy couldn't play. He was no good, but he wound up making the practice squad, and eventually they let him play in a game, which made him official. And it was because of perseverance and just not giving up that he just kept going after it. And he wanted to give up a couple of times, and God had put people around him to speak into his life. I just felt this morning, the Lord, that I just felt that movie over some people that you just wanted to give up. You're sort of at that point, but I thought the Lord was just saying about that movie, Rudy, is, is don't quit now because everything that you have pressed in for and believed for just be in vain for you. And the Lord just wanted to speak encouragement to you and release that grace not to give up that your dreams that are really from the Lord. He's saying, I'm going to cause those dreams to come true, but I don't need you to quit and go the other way. Because if you quit and go the other way, you're going to miss it. Stay on that road that you know God's put you on. And God will fulfill the dream in you. Does that apply to anybody in this room? Raise your hand this morning. Yeah. Well, I know the Lord's speaking to you. Lord, we just ask you right now, for those who raise their hand, Lord, I just ask you, just to release that persevering spirit, that spirit that Paul the Apostle had on him. He pressed into the dream of God. He said he was true to the heavenly vision. And Lord, I ask you for new strength and new hope to come on those who felt like they're just ready to just quit and go the other way. I just ask you, Jesus, turn hearts today in Jesus' name. Turn their hearts back, God. Give them new grace. Thank you, Jesus. Well, we wanted to get a ministry team up here, and uh, if anybody wants more prayer, seems like Eric Starr may need prayer for his foot. But if anybody would like more prayer today, we would like to lay hands on him. Did you get that word about the stomach, Matthew? Matthew had a word this morning about stomach. If you got stomach ailments, God wants to heal you. If you got anything that needs healing for you, you just need a more, more of a touch from the Lord. We'd like to invite you to come forward. And we're just going to dismiss you and you can go fellowship and eat in Jesus' name.